uh, if you got a Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 3. Um, and Philippians has been where we've been studying on Wednesday nights and um, working our way uh, here through this little uh, letter or this prison epistle that Paul uh, wrote to the churches at Philippi. And um, you know, he starts off in chapter 1 and he works his way all the way through um, Philippians to the end here. But we have certain sections of Philippians and certain verses in Philippians that are just unbelievable, you know, and uh, just some very popular, very uh, well-known um, verses. And tonight is no exception. In Philippians chapter 3, uh, we're coming to some of these verses that are well-known. I've preached on these verses several times and uh, just put them into context of where they were. For Paul writing these to uh, the believers here in chapter 3, um, last uh, time we uh, talked about him uh, exhorting. And so you see this exhortation of him talking about these false teachers and how they were bragging about their own self-righteousness. And they were bragging about how uh, holy they were and how um, through their own righteousness, there was a way that they could gain favor with God. And Paul was telling them, like, all that is nothing. Like, all that is nothing. And if anyone should be bragging, uh, it should be me. And he listed off the, the, his, his, uh, his resume of spiritual resume. And uh, he said, all those things... Um, he counts as rubbish. He, he throws them away for the knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ. And so um, we, we talk about this a lot in church. and We talk about it a lot throughout the Bible. Um, there's relationship and then there's fellowship. Matter of fact, I talked about it a little bit on Sunday morning. And this was what Paul was saying. Like if you, if you have the rules and you don't have the relationship, it's no good. It's all rubbish. Or if you have self-righteousness, but you don't have a converted heart or a heart that's been converted by Jesus Christ, it's rubbish. There's nothing to it. Like it cannot gain you favor with God. It does not bring you closer to God. And those who preach that and teach that are really just selling lies. And they um, work in a system of self-righteousness and they look down at people uh, who do not act like them, talk like them, or walk like them. And uh, I always remember this definition of what we would call legalism. And uh, one pastor told me, he said, legalism is saying, I want you to be like me, instead of saying, I want you to be like Christ. And we're going to see how Paul uh, differentiates between the two here, uh, because they do go hand in hand. Your walk uh, with Christ is directly related uh, from your relationship with Christ. And if you don't have a good relationship with Christ, you don't have a relationship with Christ, Christ, it doesn't matter what your walk is because you can try to legally abide by the law on the external, but if your heart's not converted, it really doesn't matter. That's not how you gain that relationship. So Paul is saying, all that is rubbish, but what mattered was him gaining Christ. And so now he, um, he comes to the point where he wants to talk a little bit about them actually walking this faith out. And uh, tonight we're going to cover verses 12 through 16, they're very familiar verses. I want to read them, and then we'll go back and just work our way through them. It says this, Not that I've already attained, or this is Paul saying this, um, after I told you he was, he was telling them about his spiritual resume. He said, Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to, uh, to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many are mature, have this mind. 
And if anyone, anything, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. So, um, Paul, obviously, I'm sure you've probably heard these scriptures before. He comes and he's saying, I've given you this spiritual resume. I want you to understand who I know or who I am in Christ. But I also want you to know there's still a striving, a pressing in my heart to become the goal of a Christian, um, to become a goal for my life. And um, he begins with an honest evaluation. He says, not that I've already attained or am already perfected. And, uh, you know, you probably wouldn't think too much of that if I said that or somebody that you might know said that. But this is the Apostle Paul, right? I mean, this is somebody who obviously wrote three quarters of our New Testament, who had a strong walk with Jesus Christ, who of all people had the right to say, hey, I, I think I've got it. I think I've got this down. But he honestly tells and humbly says, not that I've already attained or that I've already perfected this. And if Paul still had a desire to be more like God, I mean, what does that say to us, right? And, and for us as Christians, we need to have a sanctified dissatisfaction with our uh, standing with Christ or our fellowship with Christ, meaning that, yes, we, we do appreciate, we are thankful for the fellowship and the walk that we have, but there should be a desire to even have a closer one, to be even more like Christ. You know, the work is never done. No one gets to a point where they retire as a Christian, right? You don't get to the point where you say, okay, I've been doing this for 10 years and I'm serving and I'm reaching, I'm doing all these things. I'm retired now because God can't do anything better with me than what I'm already doing. Uh, if Paul says his heart's desire is that he's not attained at all, he has not perfected at all, meaning that he is still running the race. And I think a lot of times when we uh, think about us as Christians, how we tend to slack off or how we tend to stop uh, pursuing our fellowship with God is because sometimes we compare our running to other people, right? Like we look and we say, well, you know, we, I'm, I'm still serving better than that person or I still do this more than that person. And we pick someone out and we compare ourselves with someone else. Paul could have easily picked someone out and said, well, you know, I'm still better than that person. I'm still that. But Paul didn't do that. You know why? Because Paul compared himself to, Christian, to, to Jesus Christ. He was saying, he's the mark. He's the standard. And no matter where I get, I'm always going to strive to do better. I want that desire. I want that pursuit. And, uh, you know, sometimes we have a false uh, estimate of our spiritual condition, right? In the Bible, um, we see several times when it talks about Christians. And in Revelation, it talks about different types of churches and different types of people in those churches. And we got one um, called the Sardis Church. And the Sardis Church was one um, that was uh, thought they were alive and even had a name that they were alive. But Jesus looks at him and says, you think you're alive, but you are really dead. And, and see, they had this uh, religion but the, or reputation, but they didn't have the reality no more. And sometimes that's the way we get as Christians. We have the reputation because at one time we were on fire for the Lord. At one time we had spiritual fervor, but yet we're just living on that past spiritual condition thinking everything's still okay. And then others uh, in the Revelation as well, the layout of sin, they said they were rich and they said they didn't need anything and they had money and they had all that they could ever need. But Jesus looked at him and said, you're wretched. You're miserable, you're blind, you're poor, you're naked. And so as he looked at this, uh, you see how the difference. Another uh, example of this from the Old Testament was Samson. Uh, you remember the story of Samson and he was 
uh, strongest man in the Bible, and uh, he had this uh, he had this gift from God of this uh, uh, just miraculous strength that he had, and he had power, and he had all this stuff, and yet. Um, as Samson got closer and closer to the lies of the devil and to the world, um, he ended up cutting his hair and he ended up losing his strength. And when the Philistines come in to take him, he jumped up just like he had still had the power. And he, he soon realized, and it says that he did not even know that his power had departed from him. What a sad picture. And I think sometimes for us as Christians, we have this self-evaluation and we think sometimes we're better than we really are. And we think that, hey, I'm okay, I'm not that bad. But in our spiritual condition, to really look at who we are, Paul says, he gives us the key in verse 15. He says, if you think you're mature and you're like me, then uh, if, if, if you think you've arrived and you think you've completed this, if you think otherwise or, or you think that you're uh, above me, God will even reveal this to you or will even uh, reveal even this to you. And so you say, well, how do I really know where I stand with God? Ask him, right? Like David, we talked about this past Sunday. He went to God and he said, you know, look at my heart, God. You know, I'll, uh, tr- try me, test me, see if my heart is pure before you. And uh, when we need an honest evaluation of our spiritual condition, that's who we need to ask. We can, we can ask God and say, God, show me my heart. And you know, a lot of times, um, we, we resent people around us that tell us about our spiritual condition sometimes, right? Um, we resent maybe a pastor that might say something that makes us a little mad, and we think, well, I'm not listening to that guy anymore. Who does he think that he is, right? Or you might have your spouse, right? Uh, for your husbands, I know your wife never does this to you, but they look at you and say, what is wrong with you, right? Like, you have no joy. You have no peace. Not that Aaron's ever said that to me, but anyway, some of you guys... Brian knows what I'm talking about, but anyway, <laughs> he, he, you, know, you have no joy, you have no peace, right? You're, you're chewing people out, you're getting arguments, you're upset all the time, you're acting crazy with the kids, what's going on, like, you know, and, and you get mad at them, and you want to fight back and say, who's at your place to say something to me, right? And we resent that, we don't, we don't want to hear that, and, and we don't like others to point it out, but, but Paul says, you really want it pointed out, go to God, say, God, show me my spiritual condition, God, if there's something in me that is not where I need to be, or if I am cold, or if I'm lukewarm, if I have lost my fervor, tell me where I stand. I want to know where I'm evaluated from. And when we do that, we open our heart up for an honest evaluation and get ready because when you ask God for that, He's going to show you. And just this past week, I was praying about uh, two weeks ago, I was just praying about uh, through my personal life and just talking about uh, with God about how, you know, reading my Bible and praying and all these other areas. And I was thinking, you know, as a, as a pastor and as a leader and as a, a husband and a, and a father, um, I was going through this process of just evaluating parts of my life. I was thinking, you know, like I'm, I'm doing all these things and I'm striving in these areas. And, and so I was feeling pretty good about where I was with the Lord. And someone asked me to go to lunch with him. I went to lunch with him. And so he said to me, I won't tell you who it was, but he said to me, he says, man, God's really got a hold of my heart, and He really wants me to witness to people, and He really wants me to share Christ with people at my work, and He wants me to share Christ with people, and I really, really want to learn what, how do you share Christ with people in your individualized pastor? He's like, when was the last time you, what did, how'd you share Christ with someone? And you know what? It was sad because I couldn't personally think of a time in the last couple months that I personally shared Jesus Christ with someone. And I thought, man, I've, I totally missed that. 
And I walked away from there saying, you know what? I don't need to teach him how to do it. I need to teach myself how to do it. Like, I need to get that fervor back. You know, he's like, well, what scripture do you, what, what program do you use? You use the Romans road? I was like, yeah. And I tried to go through the Romans road. I couldn't remember two scriptures. I was thinking, wow, that's, that's terrible. You know, that's terrible. But as so many times we overlook how we, how we feel we are or how we used to be, Paul's saying, I haven't been there and I haven't perfected this, but I'm willing for God to give me an honest evaluation of where I stand and what area of my life can I grow closer to Christ in. And every single one of us in this room can do that as a Christian and say, Lord, where am I missing the mark? How can I get this? Because I want to know exactly where I stand with you. Well, Paul tells him not just an evaluation, but then he says, here's the goal. He says, I haven't attained it, I haven't perfected it, but I press on that I may, this is verse 12, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Uh, Press on means to strain. It means to push yourself through. It means to go for the finish line. I shared with you on Sunday that I was on the cross country team in high school. And uh, most everybody knows that's a lie. First service, Miss Ann and all of them just died laughing. The second service, people actually thought I might have been serious, but I, truly, I'm definitely not serious. Um, but when you see a sprinter, you see a, a, a runner going for the finish line, when they see the finish line, they, they push themselves through like they dig deep, like they make themselves do it, like this is something I got, and I'm going to push my way through it. And I'm gonna, you heard people say, you know, they will themselves to win, you know, like they, they dig so deep. This is the same word here in the Greek. It means to push so hard up against everything that you have. And he's saying, I want to push so hard that I'm pressing on to this. This doesn't come to a normal walk with God. This doesn't come to the normal status quo Christian. This is someone who's pushing forward. And you're saying, pushing forward for what? And he says, to lay hold of that for which Christ, Christ Jesus laid hold of me. And you say, well, what in the world would God want to do with me? Oh, I know, just to send me to heaven, right? Well, if the whole goal of being a Christian is to go to heaven, then why, why would you, when you become a Christian, why don't you just go straight to heaven, right? Like why waste the rest of your life here on earth when the only purpose for you to get to know God is to, get, is to go to heaven? No, the, the true purpose and the deep meaning of why uh, God has laid a hold of you is so that he wants you um, to be more like Jesus Christ. That's what he is. He wants to conform you into the image of Jesus Christ. He wants to make your life transform you, sanctify you, to make you more like Jesus Christ. Romans 8.29. I always share it, Romans 8.28. I don't really share Romans 8.29, but this is a great truth too. He says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So there's the word, conformed to the image of his son. Uh, to the image of his son. And listen, maybe you never heard that before. Maybe you never said, you know what? I really didn't know what the goal of a Christian life was. I thought it was just to go to heaven, or I thought it would be a good person, or I thought it would be to try harder. No, it, to be a Christian and to pursue the purpose for your life in God is to become more like Jesus Christ. For you to take who you are and let God work in your life and you ought to press towards that goal and the pursuit of your whole life, it never ends. And at the end of your life, when someone looks at you, they should say, wow, I saw Jesus Christ in him as a husband. 
I saw Jesus Christ in her as a mother. I saw Jesus Christ in him as a co-worker. I saw Jesus Christ in him in his personal life. That's the goal. It, and it means to lay hold or to make uh, one's, one possess, one's possession here mean that the, the conforming of this image is something that Christ wants to accomplish in your life. And you're, you should want to do that as well. It is the goal of God to make you more like Christ. And your goal should be to become more like Christ. It's, a, it's, two, it's two sides of it. And you're pressing on for it in your life pursuit and for you to have that purpose in your life. And it's a clearly defined goal. And then you got to focus on the goal. Look at verse 13. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to be apprehended uh, or count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do. Wow. You catch about just one thing. Paul says the goal. And then he says this one thing that I do my whole life. Whether I'm at work, whether I'm at home, whether I'm at church, whether I'm at the ball fields, whether I'm at school, wherever I am, my goal is to become more like Jesus Christ in that area, in that environment. That everything in my life is molded into that as a husband, as a wife, as a grandma, as a grandpa, you know? And so many times we like to hold on to all our things, right? Like God made me a, a grandfather so I can enjoy them or makes me a grandmother so I can do this or makes me, uh, gives me my job so I can make a lot of money. But the perspective of a Christian is not that. It's that the one thing God gives you is in all those areas is for you to become more like Christ in those areas. For you to become more like Christ in everything in these areas. And Paul says, this is the one thing that I do. I never lose focus from this. I think Tim Tebow did a great job with this through his career as a football player. You know, as a career in high school and a career in college and then a career in the NFL. Tremendous success in high school. Obviously, he went to the best high school in the country. But anyways, uh, a lot of famous alumni from that high school. Um, but anyhow, he, he, from high school, he had tremendous success. In college, he had tremendous success. Got all the way up to the Heisman Trophy. And he proclaimed Christ. And he shared Christ. And he had scriptures on his eyes. And he would tell people about the Lord. And he was giving God all the glory. Got to the NFL. Had some success, but also had a lot of failure. Had a lot of persecution. Had a lot of trials. Had it where he got fired, had people shun him, had people push him out of the league. And yet through all that, you know what he says? He says his purpose was to share the love of Jesus Christ with them. And he says, the platforms that God has given me, even when they were good, I gave God all the glory. And when they were bad, I still gave God all the glory. It wasn't about that. And you read his book, he talks about how everything he does now or everything that he did uh, with his life and with the, the platforms that he had was to build an orphanage in the Philippines and to share on mission trips and talk about the gospel. I mean, what a great perspective. Paul would say he's the same way. Like whether he was in the top of, uh, of, of the church or whether he was in the bottom of the church, wherever he was, wherever he went, whether he was making tents, whether he was preaching, whether he was teaching, whether, whatever his life was, the one thing he did everywhere he went or everywhere he tried was that he wanted to be more like Christ. He wanted to, this one thing I know, he wanted to have that uh, goal of becoming more like Christ. And you know what I think? For us as Christians, especially me, especially in my life, one of the things that distract me the most is that I try not to just focus on one thing. I got too many things, right? I, I, you ever heard the old saying, too many irons in the fire, right? And, and, yet, and yet in the world loves it because if it can't get you to outright sin, you know what it'll do? It'll make you busy. And when you get busy, all of a sudden the main thing's not the main thing anymore because you have too many things you're worried about, Right? 
You're worried about your career. You're worried about your family. You're worried, not worried, but you're, you're concerned about all these things and you're giving all your time to these things and you don't focus on the main thing. And I think, I think for me, uh, mostly, even um, going through the last several years and realizing how fast my kids grow up, you know, how fast they, you know, you lose control of them. You figure how fast they are in your home and you see the little babies and you see the toddlers and you see um, Josh had his boy up here um, today thinking how small he was sitting in the room, sitting there talking. And, I'm not talking, but sitting there. And I just think back, you know, just seems like several months ago or several, a couple years ago, Tucker was that way or Tanner was that way, you know, and, and how fast that happened. And then you really realize in the midst of all that, all the things that we thought was so important to teach them as children, you know, like they had to, you know, they, they had to learn all these things or they had to play this sport or they had to uh, be, make this great or do that or do that. And we put so much stuff on all this other stuff that Really, as a parent, the main thing is to disciple them. The main thing is to pour Christ into them. The main thing is to show them the love of God. And, and to do that, never lose focus of that. Same with your marriage and the same with uh, your grandchildren, same with your job. Everything you have, you realize that all this stuff is temporary and you got to focus on the one thing. Paul says this one thing drives everything that I do. And, you know, for me, it's hard because, you know, like I said, I've said this before, I catch myself sometimes and I'm texting someone on the phone, I'm working on my computer and I have the TV on and I'm listening to all Aaron's day, right, of what she did at school. <laughs> I listen to every word she says. No, I'm just saying, anyway, but, and listening to the kids and I got like five things going on and guess what? I'm so distracted in all these different things that by the end of the day, what does it really matter? Like, what was the one thing I should be so pouring my life into? Paul says, like, sometimes you just got to put those things aside and you got to focus on the one thing. What are you spending your time on? What, how, how do you divide your time? You know, I, I, I am also convicted as well when you, uh, your phone will give you a screen time report, right? And we talk about how we don't have time to pray. I didn't have time, Lord, to finish my sermon. I didn't have time to call this person. I didn't have time to go visit this person. And you see screen time, it says social, like six or seven hours. You're like, oh boy, <laughs> well, wait a minute. You know, you were looking at people you didn't even like, and you were mad at people and talking about people, and you were just, you know, just being nosy uh, and wanting to know what's going on in their life. And when you found out, it made you mad because they were doing better than you were, or they maybe, maybe was happy because they weren't doing as good as you were. But anyways, you, you look through this time, and you think all these things that you don't have time for, and you realize, you know what, that's all wasted time. That's time that's wasted, and you're not focusing on those things. And Paul says, this one thing I do. You know, I wonder in your life, if you can boil down your life to just one thing, what would it be? Also, that's focus. Focus knowing the one thing, this one thing I do. And uh, he defines the goal, and he's saying, here's, here's how he lives it out. Here's, here's how he does it. He gives us two directives. He says in verse, thing, verse 13, he says, I do not count myself as apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. You see the two directives? Forgetting and reaching. Paul says, I'm forgetting the things that are behind, and I'm pushing forward or reaching towards the other. The word forgetting here uh, means that not just forgetting or failing to remember. Like, the older I get, the more I realize I forget so much stuff, right? Like, today, and, and I can't stand this anymore because when I talk to somebody and I say, you remember... Oh, you know, what's his name, you know? 
They're like, no, who is it? I'm like, ha, huh, hold on, it'll come to me in a minute. And they go on talking, but you don't hear a word they say. You know why? Because you're trying to find out what that guy's name was. And I was like, I know that guy's name. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. And then I used to, when I was little, I used to get such a kick out. I was laugh at my dad when he'd call all these people random different names. You know, I'm like, huh, does he not know his name's not Butch? It's Tom, you know, or he'd come up with all these names. But now I realize I'm that guy. You know, I'm I'm that guy that are, is calling all these people other different names. And so, I mean, the one guy has got the perfect name is Buddy, right? I mean, I never forget his name because I call him Buddy, and, I call, and, and then if I miss his name, I still call him Buddy. So anyways, it's like I got him covered. But the rest of you, if I call you Buddy, I'm sorry I forgot your name, all right? Because that's, that's usually what you, your go-to name. But uh, anyhow, you, you realize that you, you just fail to remember. That's not what Paul is talking about here. Paul is saying that the past has no control over you, meaning that those things from your past is not just failing to remember. It's, it's not letting them have power over you and affecting your life any longer. That's the true meaning of forgetting. But Paul was saying, I brought these things to the Lord and I bring them for the Lord and I know it and I'm forgetting those things like they're not going to hold me down any longer. Like like maybe it's a you keep having guilt over some sin you already repented of in your life. And every time the devil throws that up at you and it knocks you off your course, it it keeps you from going moving forward with Christ because you keep going back to a sin you've already been forgiven for like Paul's saying, like, don't let that have any longer, don't let that have any more power over your life. Or maybe it's a relationship that you had in the past that you've already gotten rid of or something that God has removed in your life, but yet you keep getting dragged back to that. Or maybe it's even a hobby or something you used to spend your time doing that led you away from God. He's saying, don't let those things pull you back in from pursuing your goal. You got to leave them behind. You got to take those things and you got to forget them and let them no longer have any power over you. And it begs the question for us, what is it that we need to leave behind in our life? Paul knew what it was. Paul was no longer a Pharisee. Paul was no longer one that was pursuing the things of the flesh. Paul no longer let those things have uh, dominion over his life and he left them behind. And he's saying, you got to leave those things behind, but you also have to reach forward to the new things. You got to reach ahead. And reaching here is the same word, as pre- uh, close to the same word. It just means to press ahead or to strain to a great point of distress, which greatly reminds us to live for Jesus Christ is not easy, right? I mean, Jesus tells us to be a disciple of him. You must deny yourself, take up your cross. Like you got to challenge yourself. You have to strive. You have to strain. And whether you like it or not, sometimes you got to do things you don't want to do. You, you got to forgive people that you may not want to forgive. You, you got to uh, do things with your time that you may not want to do or desire to do at that time. And, and many will say, well, I would do this or I do that. Or, or maybe we'll say, well, I don't have the energy to do it. Well, you need to press on and find the energy to do it, right? You need to find the time to do it. You need to develop your gift and your talent. You need to push yourself and try harder. And I think for us today in Christianity, especially in our culture, we like comfortable, we like comfortable Christians, right? And we don't like, we don't want any sacrifice. We want it to be done easy. We don't want to get out of our comfort zone. We, we don't want to make the friend or talk to somebody about that brings us out of our comfort zone. We want, we, we want little effort, little dedication, little sacrifice. And, and what Paul is saying, that's not going to do it. You do that kind of stuff, and you're going to stay exactly where you are. If you want to grow closer like Christ, you have to do the hard stuff. You got to do the hard work. 
Just like I was talking about Sunday, anything you do for God is very valuable. And God tells you it's going to be worth it, but he never tells you it's going to be easy. There's not one place in the Bible where he says, you live for me and this is going to be an easy road. Like every time he says it's going to be tough, it's going to be hard. You got to push yourself. It requires yourself to put some effort into it, but it's not going to be easy, but it will be worth it. And Paul talks about these things. And I know we don't like to hear this word today. It's called discipline. It's disciplining yourself to do the spiritual practices of what you should be. You got to strain and stretch yourself. You got to push towards that goal. And just like bodily exercise, it's the same thing you do with spiritual exercise. You're not always going to just wake up and say, oh, glorious Lord, and open up the Bible and the, you know, this ray of light comes out and you read it and it's like Charles Heston reading the Bible to you. You know, it's not always going to feel like that. It's not always going to feel warm, warm and cozy to go to church. I know there's Sundays I don't want to go to church. I know that. And I'm, I'm preaching, right? I know you're always going to see people or forgive someone. You're not always going to want to do those things. But if you stay comfortable in those things and not do what God calls you to do or not pursuing Christ in that area, you're never going to grow. You're never going to become more like Christ. You're never going to do the hard work and you're never going to get pushed past those things. You're never going to pray. You know, for me, it's always a struggle to pray. When I go to pray, I remember all the things I got of stuff to do, right? If I ever forget something, I'll say, I'll just start to pray. When I start to pray, I remember everything. It's like, oh, I got it now. Here it is, right? I mean, I got it. And sometimes I pray and I pray and I feel like I've prayed for two hours. And I look up, it's only been 10 minutes. Like, oh, man, 10 minutes. Oh, my goodness. I gotta... You hear people praying for like six hours and eight hours. I'm thinking, what kind of planet do those people live on? Because praying for six to eight hours, I mean, that's a, that's a long time, you know? I mean, that's a long time. And so, so many times, sometimes we get shallow because we start to pray and we want something else. We desire something else. Fellowshipping with other Christians or exercising your spiritual gift or even witnessing to others. Like I said, not taking the time to stop and making this uh, discipline in yourself to say, hey, I'm going to share Christ with this waiter. I'm going to share Christ with this coworker. I'm going to share Christ with this person that's taking my order. Like, I, I need to do that. And you got to discipline yourself because some of those things just don't fall right in your lap. It takes discipline. And you have to strive. And Paul is saying, like, forget those things that had the power of you, but also strive, strain. I heard this before, and uh, it was just uh, in football, and they said, if you want results you've never had before, you have to do things that you've never done before. And that's so true. Like, if you want a result in your life, you got to be willing to do things you've never done before. So if you want, you know, if you want God to move in your life or work in a certain area, you got to be willing to put the work in to be able to strive to do things you've never done before. So that's the way it is. That's the way it is with everything. You know, if you want to lose weight, you got to be willing to, to eat things you may have never ate before or eat less of things you never, you never ate before. You got to be willing to do the work because you can't just keep eating the same stuff or doing the same things and think you're going to lose weight. It's not going to happen. Same thing with being like Christ. You're not going to be able to do what you're doing right now and magically you become more like Jesus Christ. No, you got to strain. You got to stretch yourself. You got to push yourself. You got to do things that you're not willing to do. And if you need to forget something in your life, what's the one thing you need to forget? Not let power over you anymore. And also, it'll be a great challenge. What's one thing you need to start doing? What thing, what's one thing you need to discipline yourself to become more like Jesus Christ. And Paul says, that's how you live it out. You find the goal, you live it out, and then you get to the reward. Verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Wow. And it doesn't get any better than that, right? 
Paul is saying, these are the things you should do, and you press toward this goal. There is a goal. And even in life, in suffering, and even in life of going through the pain of discipline, and even in the life of doing all those things, you know, you, you realize that, yes, you struggle, and yes, you have pain, and yes, you have to discipline yourself, but it's worth it. You get the goal. You, you get what God has in store for you. You get the prize of the upward call of God in your Christ Jesus. And sometimes in life, we look around, and we think, well, look, all these people are doing ungodly things. They're doing wicked things. Maybe at your workplace, you're thinking, oh, they do all the wrong things, but they get the promotions and they get more money and they get this and they get all that. Or maybe even in your family, you say, man, we're, we're trying to raise our kids right and we're doing all these things, but yet they do all these things wrong. But look at their kids. They're, you know, he's the starting quarterback on the football team or she makes, you know, she's got on the, all the good grades or she does this and he does that. And you, you go through this process and you say, God, is this really paying off? Is this really worth it? But yet, we, we got we to gotta understand what the reward is. The reward is not something you'll necessarily see right now. It's the goal of the prize of the upward call. It's in God. It's a godly reward. But on the, on the opposite of that side, it's true. If we suffer and we go through hard times and we pay the discipline, we pay the price, this is the worst life we'll ever get for us as a Christian. Like this pain, this suffering, this sorrow. It doesn't get any worse than this for us. When we die, we go to heaven. But think about a person who doesn't live for Christ. This is the best it will ever be for them. Like, this is the best they will ever have their life. Like, everything they enjoy now is something that this is the best they're going to have because they don't have the goal of knowing Christ in the end. They're not going to see the upward call of Christ in their life. But for us, when we see Christ, we're going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. That's, we understand it's worth it all. That's the goal. That's the price. And Paul is saying, this is it. And, and verse uh, 15, he challenges, he said, therefore, let us, as many are mature, have this mindset, have this understanding. Like, this is something we should come together and agree on together, that we should press on for these things, and each one of these things working in the same unity of the same mind, and that's how we should desire to walk together as Christians. You know, for us as a church, that's a great thing to come together and have fellowship around pursuing the one goal of becoming more like Christ together. Like that's what's so encouraging about other believers is to be able to share life with them and to see families that's gone through the same process you're going through. To see kids and look at it and say, here's how they raise their children. This is how they done this. And look, they walk through this process and I can walk through it too. Look, this Christian had cancer and she went through this. And look, she came out on the other side. That's encouraging. Let's walk with the same spirit. Those are the things we can come together on. Those are the things that God meshes our minds together, not arguing over false righteousness or rules and regulations or trying to be like, uh, be more righteous than one another and arguing and fighting. No, let's come together in unity saying we're together, we're, we're all one in this process. And we who are pursuing the right things, this is our mindset. And, you know, that's the way it should be for church. We shouldn't come to church to look to criticize people. We shouldn't come to church to look to point out other people's faults. We shouldn't come to church to say, let's see who I could tear down today. Let's see who I could talk bad about what, how they served or what they did or how, they, how their talent wasn't as good as what maybe someone else's talent is. But yet we should come together to, to, to be of the same mind to pursue the one goal that every one of us becoming more like Christ every single day, every single week. And we ought to walk by that rule. And he's saying those who are mature, there should be enough of us to get it right. That's the goal and the process of the church. And, and I pray, as he says for these here at Philippi, I pray it's the same way. 
because people were being mean and hateful to Paul. They were telling Paul that you're a fake, you're an apostate. You know, Paulus was a better preacher. You're a terrible, you was a terrible expositor. You know, I listened to this pastor. I got this pastor and this, that, and the other. And Paul was saying, what it, all you guys are arguing over all these things and you're trying to promote your own self-righteousness and stuff. And that's not what mature Christians do. So let's put that aside and let's get on the ball. Let's focus on the goal. Let's become more like Jesus Christ. And let's come together as a body of believers to do that together of one mind. You know, there's something special when you get people together that are pursuing to become more like Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing? I mean, it's something to be a part of people that come together for the one purpose. And I promise you, you're not going to meet anywhere else throughout the week or throughout your month or throughout what you put your kids in, whether no matter what sports program or what program you put them in, other than coming to a place to where the one goal is for everyone to become more like Jesus Christ. I mean, there's something special about that. And that's what Paul is saying for us. We should come together to do that, to learn that, to know that, and to pursue these things and not get distracted. Because when we get distracted, we get pushed off a course. And when we get pushed off course, then we lose the focus of those things. So Paul um, encourages us. He lifts us up and he says, let us all be of the same mind. And let's all attain this goal that he had. So I'm going to pray. And then we're going to talk about this a little bit. And we're going to have a little bit of our extended um, prayer time tonight. And uh, so let's pray together.